the question we should be asking as parents is, do we know what our child's goals are? And if so, how can we help them learn the things they need to learn within that system in order to accomplish their goals? And if they're young enough and they don't know what their goals are yet, you, you, you can think ahead to, okay, what might their goals be? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We uh, have, go ahead. I'm sorry. We haven't it, we haven't done a podcast since the New Year. That's right. This is the first, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first In the Boat with Ben podcast of 2016. Yeah. So it's good to be back. We took a little bit of a break. Yeah. But I'm, I've, I've missed doing this. Yeah, I've kind of missed it too. I say kind of. I have missed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the degree to which you missed it is as high as the degree to which I missed it. Well, I mean, how could we measure? It really is wonderful. We love uh, talking about this stuff. And today we've got a really fun topic. Yeah. And when I say fun, I mean, potentially, I, don't, it's, I wouldn't say it's controversial. I think a lot of people probably feel some of the thing the, the things that we feel about school mm-hmm. in general. Okay. Today's topic is a question how important is my child's school career? So I think uh, I I I'll back up. I think there are some parents who take their children's uh school career very seriously. Yeah. And maybe at the same time feel kind of frustrated about the structure and and the system that is school right now. So in in today's episode, we're talking mostly about public school. When we talk about school career, um, part of that is because we don't really have a whole lot of experience with homeschool or with private school. Yeah, I mean, or, I I homeschooled the oldest for a year, but yeah. So because because we don't have a lot of experience with that, we both came up in public school also. Mm-hmm. So we were very familiar with school kind of being looked at as a career in and of itself. You know, the, the things that you worked toward, what your GPA was, what your position or your ranking was in your class, what activities you were involved in. These are all things that make up one's school career. Mm-hmm. And... That can be, especially in the high school years, that can be a very consuming uh, pursuit. And so, so I wanted to talk about this today. Um, we don't have any kids in high school, but I have a, I have a good friend who has kids in high school. They're, they're doing three or four hours worth of homework every night. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're trying to work through stuff that the parents are, are not really even familiar with, and so they have trouble helping them out. And on top of that, they're involved in various activities and sports and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it really it really just has this runaway effect when you're, I mean, even if you're trying to maintain a decent standing with school, let right. alone 
pursue some kind of honor or award or position. Yeah. So you had a a decent school career. Yeah. I mean, I would say more than decent. You graduated valedictorian of your class. So tell us a little bit about that. What well, did, what did it take? Well, it took a lot of hard work. And whenever our boys ask about that kind of thing, you know, because um, our oldest is very gifted in school and in learning and he, he catches on really fast. Um, but that's not all it takes to do something like graduate valedictorian, you know, like there's, there's hard work. You have to study, you have to turn in your homework, you have to do all the things that you're expected to do. And I think for me in high school, um, I grew up in a poor family and I knew that the only way that I would be able to go to college is by getting good grades and getting scholarships and things like that. And so there was this drive within me to, I guess, better the situation I had grown up in. Um, and you know, I, I was a first generation college student and so I didn't grow up around people saying college is important and that kind of thing. But I just knew for myself that that, I I mean, I was always a really mature kid, you know? Yeah. Like I, I kind of say I never really had a childhood. I was always the grown up, but I just knew for myself that college was something I wanted to do. And it was really important to me. And it's funny that you ask me this because I have a lot of trouble sometimes when our boys bring home stuff and they're, you know, like it's, it's not something that they um, did all that they could on or yeah. that they tried as hard as they could have. Um, it it bother. I think it bothers me more than it bothers you. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. So why, why was it important to you to, I, I, it was important to you to get valedictorian because that was going to allow you to go to college. Mm -hmm. Why was it important for you to get into college? Well, I originally started out wanting to major in music and, um, play in symphonies. And so in order to do that, in order to even be looked at as like a top notch symphony player, you have to have the schooling that comes along with that. And so that's what initially propelled me to college. I mean, I ended up changing things. I became a writer, um, which you don't necessarily need college for. Although I will say that my most favorite years, besides these that we're in now, but some of my most favorite years were the four years I spent in college. I just, I did a lot of growing up. I was on my own for the first time. It was just a really, really neat time for me. So, so it sounds like even though your goals have since changed, Mm -hmm. pursuing a strong uh, school career was in support of your goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My experience was a bit different. I, I didn't really, I wasn't ever intentionally focused on having a, a top position or or having high achievement in school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do career wise mm-hmm. other than one, be a musician and two, be a worship leader. So, and, and those are kind of two different things. So on the one hand, I wanted to be a performing musician, which you don't also don't necessarily need to go to school to do, uh, to, to college to do. I wanted to be a worship leader 
And depending on the kind of denomination you want to get into or the kind of church that you want to get into, um, although this is becoming less and less important, uh, having a strong school background can help. Mm -hmm. But it's also not totally essential. But I did go to college, but I did have to work for an entire summer and also work nights while I was going to school so that I could continue going to school. And my Wait, grades, you're saying you had to work a whole summer in order to pay for that college? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, in order to pay for that college. So ultimately, I didn't, I didn't finish college and I continued focusing on developing both of those careers. And then eventually, as I gathered some other skills and our circumstances changed, um, moved into a season where I was focusing more on design and, um, and art. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. So for our boys, um, we know, I mean, I guess growing up for me, it felt like the only thing that I could do to pursue a career was to go to school for that career. Um, but I think we live in a different time now where people recognize that in order to be successful in a career, we don't have to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a PhD for, for some specific things like, you know, being a doctor or being a counselor or being a college professor or those kinds of things. We do need that education. But for a lot of the other things, like for me as a writer, I, you know, experience is kind of my teacher. Yeah. And well, and so really what the, the first question you have to ask is what are my goals? Mm -hmm. And so for your child, you have to ask them, what, are, what do you want to do? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Okay. So what about when they're like nine years old or really young and they don't really know that yet? This is where I have trouble because our nine-year-old doesn't really care about grades. And I know that he is capable of, you know, graduating valedictorian someday. And sometimes, I, sometimes honestly, I would like to shake him a little and just be like, mm. don't you understand how important this is? But then for, you know, for a person like you, it's not quite as important. Well, we can't, we cannot transfer our sense of importance yeah. to him. Mm -hmm. That's got to be something that he takes on himself based on what he believes his goals are. So once you decided, I don't believe for you, your feelings that you should just get good grades because mm -hmm. were more important to you than your desire to reach your goals and that having good grades and having a good position was part of the equation for doing that. So what I believe for Jaden is that if he decides that having good grades is essential for accomplishing his goals, that that's, he is going to hold that as important mm -hmm. and he's going to work toward that. Now, as parents, we could put consequences around bad grades and, and that kind of thing. And I also believe there's value in focusing him and, and um, helping him to work within the learning environment that he has around him. Mm -hmm. um, but that's different from uh, trying to give him a sense of importance 
that really um, is is us just projecting. Well, and he's also only in third grade. So um, I'm trying to let go in these years before he gets to something like high school where it's like, you know, oh, my gosh, all of this goes on his transcript, you know. Yeah. And and that's kind of that career thinking. It's like, well, this goes this goes on my record. Yeah. Uh huh. And and I don't want. So, yes, I don't want that for bad grades to be on his record. But I also know that when he decides what it is he wants to do, whatever his goals are, if that takes doing performing really well in the public school system, he's going to overcome those obstacles. Mm-hmm. And that other stuff isn't going to matter so much. And And really the value that we want to impart to our children is the ability to work within the system that you're in mm-hmm. um, in order to accomplish your goals. So, so right now the public school is just a system and it's one that we're using, you know, because of uh, various factors. We can't necessarily afford time-wise or money-wise to homeschool. We can't do private school. The public school is in a really good district and it has a great staff mm-hmm. and we're able to work pretty closely with them. And so it works out right now in this season for our family to, to use that system. Um, but the system is not the point. The system is really designed to facilitate learning. Now some would argue with that mm, yeah. with, with the public school system. The original intent of the public school system was to give young people the tools that they need to enter into adulthood and at least have a baseline understanding of how to operate in the world. Mm-hmm. And so as, as things have evolved, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a really big emphasis on testing and all of those things. So whether I like those things or not, whether I agree with everything the public school decides to do or not, because I've made a choice to use that system for right now. It's really important to teach my child how to operate within that system mm-hmm. and, and use it as a tool to learn, not to operate in that system to, to succeed and, and, and do really well in that system just for the sake of doing well in that system. You know, you, you don't, you don't follow the rules of public school and get the great, the good grades and get the high ranking just for the sake of doing those things. But if that helps you accomplish your goal, then that's what, what we want the emphasis to be on. Yeah. I believe it's also good because, because it's a system that you choose to be in. Now, now some could argue and, and say, well, I didn't, I don't choose to do public school. I have to do it now because of the circumstances that we're in. But for us, it really is a choice. You know, our circumstances are difficult and, and it's a choice that we, that was probably one of the easier ones for us to make. Mm-hmm. But if we had all the money and the time in the world, we might choose something different, but we could also work toward that if we really wanted to. And so the alternative is choosing something on our own. And, and as long as we have a choice, we also, there's value in subjecting yourself to the rules of that system. 
Yeah, I was going to say something about um, back back to the whole grades thing. Um, I was going to ask you sort of a question about uh, because part of part of what getting good grades means is teaching a kid first how to do what's expected, mm-hmm. and second to work at hard things and accomplish them. And so, if we if we don't have any kind of expectations for grades for our kids. I I don't fully agree with the whole grading grading system anyway. But if we don't have any kind of expectation for how kids how our kids will do in school, then um I don't know, how how do we teach them how to do hard things? Well, so the grade is the grade is just a marker. It's not the goal is not the grade. The goal is the hard work. Right. And right. the effort and the problem solving. But but for instance, our oldest um, sometimes gets in trouble at school because he'll he'll fly through a worksheet and then he'll turn it in and his teacher will say, you know what, you've got a few of these wrong that might not get you the grade that you would want, so take it back, yeah, and check it over. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And so how do you, you know? Yeah, and and in that case, I mean, the grade is an indication of the amount of effort that he put into it. Right. And so really the value that we should be teaching is the effort and the hard work. And because of that, we can't point to the grade and say, well, because your grade was this, because what if they work really hard and And what if they take their time and they still don't get a good grade? Yeah. I mean, it's different for him because these things come easily for him. So it's, but that's not always right. Yeah. yeah, That's not always going to be the case. And, and I want to be really careful about about his belief in how easy things come to him. Yeah. Because while, while that can be true for certain things, that belief can also be detrimental. Yeah, definitely. You can, you can believe that things come easily. So you, and, and as a byproduct of that belief, you don't put forth very much effort. And so I would rather focus him on the effort and focus him on the hard work and focus him on taking his time and being focused mm-hmm. and, and praise those things and point those things out. So like his, his baseline talent, his baseline uh, intelligence, those are, those are things that he was gifted with. He didn't necessarily earn those things. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't really make sense for me to praise those things. To say, wow, you're so smart. Well, what does that what does that really mean? And what does being smart help you achieve if you're not going to work hard and apply that intelligence? There are people who aren't very smart, who are very hardworking, who accomplish great things. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's what I want to focus him on. So, anyways, back to the back to the grading thing. That's why the the grade can be a marker. It can be useful information. But it's really similar to if you're running a business and you've got a social media presence and you get a certain number of likes or you have a certain number of followers or you have a certain number of subscribers. There's useful data, but the the numbers, the amount is almost meaningless because it's really it's really the the engagement. It's it's those interactions that that really move your brand along. So in the same way, it's the hard work and the focus. It's how, it's how much 
effort is being put into that work or, or into solving that problem or even coming up with an alternative solution. That's, that's what's really going to serve our children well later on in life. Yes. So another, another aspect of it outside of grades and testing and that kind of thing, one of the aspects of being a part of the public school system that I really like is that there is a schedule. There's a start to the day and there's an end to the day. There's a start to certain activities and an end to certain activities. There are times when you're required to line up so that you can prepare for the next thing. There are Mm -hmm. things that you have to cooperate with. And so I really, what I really love about that one is, is just the experience that our children can gain through having those interactions and being a part of a, a social group that is working toward the same thing and, and using the structure to do it. I'm, I'm definitely not the kind of person who would have probably thrived in a military environment. But one of the things that I love about the, the people I know who are in the military is how punctual they are and how dependable they are and how reliable they are because they're so used to working within a system. Now, I will say that there's also a part of me that's really rebellious against that. Yeah. It's like, I don't, you can't, don't chain me down. You know, you can't cage the wild stallion. <laughs> but the way that I think about it is now when I'm the one who's trying to impose some kind of a schedule or when I'm working with other people and there's a mutual benefit, we're going toward the same goal. It's really good for me to be able to respect that person's time and be on time to meet with them. It's really good for me to be able to cooperate and work with others. Mm -hmm. You know, those, those things are assets. And so that's something that public school can, and, and the system of public school can help instill in our children. And so in the past, I've kind of been really lax about the kids getting to school on time, for yeah, example. Yeah, you have. <laughs> but I'm starting to see how important it is because not only if they're late, you know, they might miss something and, and it, it does go down on a mark as a mark on their thing, you know, mm-hmm. but it also, it, it affects the learning environment of everybody else. When, when somebody walks into class late, it's a distraction. And how much does that distraction cost? Yeah. You know, so it's not just respecting your own time, but it's respecting the time and the attention of others. So really the bottom line here is that the system is a tool that you can use for learning. But learning is really the important thing. Mm -hmm. We don't send our children to school so that they can have successful school careers. We send our children to school so that they can learn and, and so that the things they learn can help them reach and accomplish their goals. And really, I mean, I believe that even as adults, we should always be learning. But when, we, when we're children, that's not really what we enjoy doing. And there is a huge value to kids learning through play. Yes. 
But there's also a huge value to kids learning when in a classroom setting and around other children and that sort of thing. I mean, our, our oldest went to school and he, he's a very gifted child, and which means that he falls a little behind on the whole emotional social development. And he had a lot of learning in that area to do in his first few years of school. Yeah. And, and see, that was, that was really great for him. And, and almost he was, we were homeschooling him before school began Mm -hmm. and we could continue to work with them, work with him at that level. I believe he's also somewhat of an autodidact. So Mm -hmm, if, if we were kind of strict with him and put some parameters around him, I know that he could learn the things necessary in order to follow a homeschool schedule. Mm -hmm. But this, the social aspect and and the ability to work with and interact with others is an important part of his, his education. Oh yeah. It's, it's a really important part of what's going to help him succeed in the future at whatever he does. Yeah. So, and the public school system, that's a learning environment. And we, we only have so much ability to shape that. The home environment is a learning environment mm-hmm. and, and we can, we have a lot more control over shaping this, a private school environment, you know, so the, all of, all of these are different learning environments and that's, that's how you've got to think of them. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them you can shape a lot. Some of them you can't really do much with at all, but they, but they need to be seen as a tool for learning how can how can they best learn in that environment what are they going to get out of it and then as they grow older and one of the things that i've i've learned for myself that's been a huge benefit is you know you're right we continue to learn mm-hmm. it's something that never stops and that's something that we want to both demonstrate and teach our children mm-hmm. one of the great things about being an adult is most of the time you can shape your own learning environment. Oh yeah. You get to learn about the things you're interested in, which is also the college experience too. I mean, you have classes that you have to take for, you know, basics, but I enjoyed that about college was that I got to choose where I spent my time and what I learned about. Yeah. So really until, you know, the day that we die, we can always learn something and I don't plan on, not having some goal or something that I'm working toward. And as long as I've got some goal or something that I'm working toward, I can always learn something more to help me achieve that. And so it's, it's something that's a constant and, and that's what we want to demonstrate and, and uh, for and teach our children is that learning really is something that they can continue to do beyond their school years. And, and there's a lot of joy in being able to shape that for yourself. But while they're in the system, the system, <laughs> while, they're, while they're in the system, whatever that is, whether it's homeschool or public school or private school or some kind of artistic school, whatever it is, what the question we should be asking as parents is, do we know what our child's, child's goals are? And if so... How can we help them learn the things they need to learn within that system in order to accomplish their goals? And if they're young enough and they don't know what their goals are yet, you you, you can think ahead to, okay, what might their goals be? Mm-hmm. 
So part of this looks like, um, at least in, in our home, the oldest is pretty focused. He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to be. He wants to be a filmmaker. Um, you've talked about letting him help you edit some of your video material yeah. or, um, I've taught him about the structure of story and what it looks like to write in scenes and those kinds of things. And so, um, we're just, you know, we're working on him with that because really we are our children's greatest teachers. And when we show them that we're constantly learning new things and that we're, um, passionate about consistently learning, they're, they're going to take that on themselves too and either come to us to learn from us or go somewhere else and pursue it outside of just their framework of school. Yeah. And, and that's one of the really important things is, is to help them understand that what they're, the knowledge they're seeking doesn't only exist in that right system. You know, the, and one of the amazing things about living in today's world is that we have access to so much inf- yeah. information. And I mean, and, and Jaden's got that down, you know, he, he knows how to search for videos on Minecraft. Yeah. And he can watch those for hours. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe we should be helping him, you know, figure out a career in playing Minecraft. <laughs> Oh yeah. And I I think this is, this is something that it took me a while to come to terms with when I was, you know, a teenager and going into college and all of that is that learning exists outside of just the school experience. Yeah. And, um, I think it took me even a few years after graduating college to even realize, Hey, you know what? I could still be learning things. And, um, just because I graduated doesn't mean that I know everything there is to know about my career choice. And so I don't know. I just, I feel like it's important to, to pass that lesson along to our children, our, our children, because I didn't have it as a kid and it took me a while. And I feel like, you know, what if you, what if you started out knowing that? Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that we've done, that's kind of a, a practical and fun way to encourage this is we have, we haven't used it in a while, but we have what's called the I wonder wall. Oh yeah. Uh And so anytime they have a question about something, we need to encourage this a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. anytime, anytime they have a question about something, especially if it's something that we don't know the answer to, we, we say, okay, well let's put it on the I wonder wall. Mm -hmm. And then we set aside time, maybe once a week where we take down everything from the I wonder wall. And we sit down and we actually look it up and, and learn the answer. Mm-hmm. And I've learned, uh, I've, I've learned some pretty surprising stuff that way. We learned how teeth grow. Mm-hmm. That was one of the questions. And what was another, there was another really funny one that was, we were, oh, why like, do toots smell? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why do they smell? I now know the answer to that question. <laughs> but, but that, that sets a precedent for, you know, if, if you don't know the answer for something, there's a way that you can look that up and, and sitting down and doing that together as a family is really powerful because they get to see firsthand what it looks like to discover the answer to something. 
Now, seeking knowledge is just one part of it, though. You know, there there are other things, like we said, the hard work and the focus and and taking your time and not uh, assuming that you know everything there is to know about something. And so all of all of those things are things that you can learn inside the public school system. They're things that you can learn if you're purposeful in the homeschooling system. Um, but it's important not just to focus on the knowledge, but to also focus on those other things that come in support of that. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and recap here and, and just answer this question again. How important is my child's school career? The better question to ask is, what are my child's goals? Um, or what might their goals be? And how can I help them work in this system? How can I help them to learn what they need to learn in order to achieve their goals? And if that means having a successful school career, then that's fine. Okay. And I have to say something here because I think some parents might wonder, well, how do I not feel, I guess, tied to the kinds of grades that my kids get or feel some, even somewhat responsible for that kind of thing? And or feel like it reflects on us. And I just I just have to say here that what our kids do, that has no bearing on who we are. It has no bearing on the kind of parents we are or the kind of people we are. And the choices that our kids make are their, are their own choices. Yeah. We can do all that we can to teach them in the right way that they should go. And we can do everything we can to love them well and pass along compassion and kindness and those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, what our children choose to do is what they choose to do. Yeah, that's a hard one. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to bring in a few questions. This one is from Nick in the chat. He asked, should school be a priority over other ventures, business, sports, etc., when your child's mind is set on what they want to do in the future? So this goes this just goes back to that value of focusing on the question of what is my child's goal. So if you can see um as a parent that that your child's goal is to be a writer for example. Mhm. It it's worth sitting down and having a conversation with them and, and talking about talking to them about the role that the current system they're in might play in helping them achieve that goal. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be one has to take priority over the other. Um, school is not a priority. School is a tool. Or I, I, I guess I should say school is not the goal. School is a tool that you can use to accomplish your goals. And so if it's, if it's useful in accomplishing the goals, and I would say most of the time, at least maintaining a decent level of interaction and involvement, um, participating in, in the class discussions and those things, those things are all probably going to work toward your child's goal. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's where the focus of the question should be is, is on what your child's goal is. And then another question is from Cynthia. She asks, how do you manage your children's expectations of school performance? 
this is an interesting question because it kind of takes the focus away from what we think about our ch- our children's grades yeah, and puts, and it, on puts them. it on them. I don't know if this is going to be the case yet, but I can imagine one of our kids j- just because of uh, some of the other people in their life, their, their teachers, whatever it is, their peers getting pretty upset over having a bad grade on something. Yeah. I mean, I was that kid. <clears throat> the first time that I got a B in college, I like, it was devastating mm-hmm. to me. Um, and so I guess, I guess for me, the way that I feel like I could help manage that is speaking from experience, maybe, you know, telling them, telling them my story and helping them to see, uh, I mean, first, you know, all of the techniques that we've, we've learned in what the last several episodes and the, uh, about empathy and that kind of thing, you know, like it's, it, it is devastating to have a grade be something that you didn't really expect it to be. Um, and then sharing stories of our own failures. I feel like a lot of times kids look at us, you know, they see mom who's a college graduate and they're like, oh my gosh, I could never, I could never do that. I could never get those grades and that kind of thing. But when they see that we actually slipped up a few times, you know, yeah, they, they see that they're not expected to be perfect in those grades either. Um, and I think, I think this is more of a challenge for me than it is even for you because I grew up that like perfectionist, you know, I can't do less than this, you yeah. know? And so, um, I, I don't think that your story wouldn't be valuable, but I feel like my story might be really valuable to the kid who's like, I wanted to make all A's and then he gets a B. So, so on the other side, you've got a kid who isn't really concerned about their grades at all. Right. And, uh, she, she continued in her question just with her own example. She said, when I got to college, I was able to identify classes that were important Mm -hmm. and worth my time to get good grades in. And one's, which were a waste of time and it was okay to get a C or a D in order to get my degree. My thought was always what I know is more important than the grade. Now I'd, I'd say that that's as a blanket statement, that's probably true. What you, what you know and the schools that the, I'm sorry, the skills that you acquire mm-hmm. are important. But The grade might be important in accomplishing your goal. So if your goal is to get, on with a company or in an industry in which your overall GPA actually is important, then it is important to focus on getting a good grade in that class that feels like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to get into an industry or into a company where they don't care about the GPA, all they care about is what you learn or the skills that you acquired or the, and, and really at the end of the day, well, I can't, I can't say this for every industry. For most industries, the results are the most important thing, the results that you can produce. Mm-hmm. But in order to get into some industries, for example, becoming a doctor, there's a really high academic standard. So it really, it, it just comes back to that question yeah. of what are your goals? And that should inform whether or not a grade is important to you, not an arbitrary letter on a piece of paper. Right. I think I also have, uh, I mean, I've learned this in later years that I I feel like everything is a learning experience. So even while, 
you know, I took college algebra and I took college chemistry and I don't really use those things on a daily basis as mm -hmm. a writer. But in those classes, there were professors and there were students I met who sometimes, you know, form little quirky characters in some of my books, you know? So, so everything, all of life is a learning experience to me. Well, and, and you could argue too that, so maybe your, maybe your goal doesn't include using chemistry, mm -hmm. but maybe your goal includes doing things that you don't want to do and learning things that you don't already know about things that you don't want to do. So, so for example, like you're, you're an artist, but you also have to take care of the business side oh, yeah. of, of what you're doing. So I'm going to, I promise I'll put this together. So taking that chemistry class and, and actually focusing and trying to do well, you're developing the tenacity to, and you're showing yourself that you can do things that feel pointless and frustrating and, and that are, uh, that seem like they'll be useless in order to accomplish a greater goal. Mm -hmm. And so that, I mean, you've got to make that decision for yourself, but if you, if you determine that that is a part of reaching your goal, you're more likely to succeed at doing it and, and give it the focus and, and attention it needs. And I guess that's, that's kind of the, you know, like the why is the real driver there. Mm -hmm. I could, I could do well in chemistry just because I think that I need to get a good grade. I could do really well in chemistry if I want to be a chemist, but I might perform pretty well in chemistry, even though it's something that I don't care for at all, that has nothing to do with what I want to do. If I believe that doing well in it is going to serve a future goal for me. Mm -hmm. I did consider being a chemist at one point, so I really enjoyed chemistry. Um, but Cynthia Bartz asked, how do you define what the goal is for your child, especially when they're young? Yeah. And, and really when they're young, before they've identified anything, you can't, you can't get that information from them. You can, you can only guess at what their goals mm -hmm. might be. I was going to say, I think that we can start with the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because even when they're three years old or four years old, there are, uh, you know, like our, our three and our, when, when our five-year-old was three and four, he said the same thing for the last two years. And he said, Batman. Um, and you, you think of, if you break that down, it's not so much the superhero, or I guess it's not so much the literal Batman. It's like superhero, helping people, that kind of thing. Even though we could argue, you know, semantics with most of the Marvel superheroes, whether they helped or not. But uh, <laughs> um, when we ask our children that question and they're very young, sometimes we can get to the heart of what it is they're interested in because it, it's hard to tell sometimes when kids are young yeah. because they have, there's so many things to play with and so many things to take their attention. But um, we can start seeing patterns in that. If we ask them, I, I usually ask the boys every year on their birthday what they want to be when they grow up. And sometimes it's completely different. You know, like when I was a three-year-old, I wanted to be an Avon lady because my mom sold Avon and 
Um, and then when I was four, I wanted to be a writer. And from then on, you know, it was always some kind of, some kind of writing career. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think we can start to see some of those things if we just ask them. So, so yeah, I agree with that, but because of the possibility or the potential for those things to shift and change, I I would say it's also good to allow them uh, uh, to encourage them to be successful in the system that they're in until they get a a sharper focus on that for themselves. But what's also, what also is really important is for us to demonstrate that we will be supportive of them as they pursue their goals and that they have the power to pursue and achieve the things they want to achieve. And uh, I, I really like what Rebecca said here in the chat. She said, my nephew had zero interest in his grades in high school. So that's, that's at a point where, you know, I'm hoping by then yeah, my they'll kids realize are pretty certain what, yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. But, but really thinking back to high school, other than a few basic things, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but in his, so she continues, but in his first year of college, he realized that he wants to pursue a career in the medical field and his grades were holding him back from achieving his goal. Now he is highly motivated and has turned around his approach to school, but it was self-initiated because he has now identified his goal. Yeah. And that's, that's the quality that we want to encourage more than anything is, um, is not to have our kids depend on us, you know, kind of pushing and prodding them toward. So early on when they, when they haven't really identified what that is yet, the best thing that we can do is get a vague idea from them maybe, and, and kind of guess at what they'll, that will be and help them to be successful in whatever system they're in, um, to prepare for the, you know, whatever possibility, but also to help them understand that they're the ones who are in charge of doing what's necessary to accomplish their goals and to understand that the system is a tool and not, it's a means to an end and it's not the end in and of itself. Well, this was a good episode. Yeah. I think we'll go ahead and and end it there. Okay. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. That is right. Go to in the boat with Ben.com. You can listen to more of our episodes. You can also sign up for our newsletter there. If you sign up for our newsletter, uh, we're working on something that we're going to be giving away to our newsletter subscribers. It's called the five step checklist to add a weekly guilt free work block. I'm not sure if the title's long enough. Um, the purpose, the purpose, the purpose of this guide is to provide an easy to follow roadmap that will help you set aside and protect a solid block of time every week. It's going to help you work through any feelings of guilt you might have so that you can set them aside and really see yourself making meaningful progress toward your goals without feeling like you're doing so at the expense of your family. You can, uh, you can take advantage of this if you're a person who is a full-time um, mom or dad at home and is trying to build a business on the side, this is going to be useful for you if you work a, a day job and also take care of your family and, and are also trying to build something on the side. 
This is meant to free up that time and help you focus and really make progress toward the thing that you're trying to do. So you can sign up at intheboatwithben.com. And as soon as it's ready, we will send it to you. If you want to help out the show, you can leave us a review. Go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes. I want to read one here from Laura Baxter. She says, if you're looking for ways to live an intentional life or make personal relationships more meaningful, you've come to the right place. Rachel and Ben create a safe space to be real about the challenges of being in relationships and raising a family, but balance it perfectly with positivity. They are encouraging, honest, and freely share the knowledge they gain from their constant desire to learn and improve. Together, they make up the perfect team that will inspire you to find the good in others, follow dreams, instill solid family values, and find humor along the way. They pull from their strong personal convictions and parental experience to offer solutions and techniques for keeping relationships strong and purposeful. Rachel and Ben, you are amazing. Thank you so much for keeping things meaningful and real. You inspire me to be a better parent, follow my dreams, and encourage the people closest to me to follow theirs as well. That's awesome. That was awesome. Um, Thank you very much. So it... It helps the show in a couple of ways if you if you leave a review. One, people who are considering listening to a podcast will often go to the reviews just to see what other people say about it. And so your review might be the thing, the, the your your own unique expression uh, or, or experience that you've had with the show might be the thing that somebody else sees themselves in and says, you know, I, f- I feel like. Uh, I feel like this person is really kind of like me. So it seems like this is a show that would really speak to me mm-hmm. and, and it could cause them to listen. And then as a bonus, it's just so encouraging to us. I I love hearing messages like this and it just reminds me of the reason we do this is really to, uh, to help others. Yep. So, all right. Another way you can help the show is going to seanwest.com slash community. We have a great show here on the network, but there are other fantastic shows that you can, uh, that you can listen to and you can check out live. I actually do a live video and audio podcast with Sean twice a week called the Sean West podcast. Um, you have access to that. You also have access to a live chat that's running 24 seven, you have access to people like me. I'm sorry, you do have access to me. I'm there. Rachel is there. Sean is also there all the time. Um, the people on the Sean West team and not to mention all of the amazing community members who are so supportive and encouraging. And so, um, the community is what makes these shows possible, but it also is going to add tremendous value to your life. So you should definitely check it out. If you want to find Rachel, she's at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening today. Thank you. And stay tuned because we're about to talk about Pokemon.
All right. So you were saying, you were talking about Asa and having him on your, on my shelf Uh show. Tell us, tell us about first, tell us about on my shelf. Well, on my shelf is a video show that I started last year. And, um, I just talk about books that I'm reading and movies that I'm watching and some, you know, things that are going on in our business lives and our personal lives and that kind of thing. So I'm having our four-year-old, sorry, our six-year-old on to talk about some books that, uh, that he just really enjoyed reading and he's been kind of a hard one to tap for reading. So, um, I was really excited to find something that he really, he enjoyed as much as he did. And so I, I invited him to come on the show and talk about why he enjoyed these particular books. Yeah. And so what, what is your, what is your hope in having him on talking about those books? Do you, do you feel like that's going to uh, inspire other kids his age to read or other parents? To uh, feel like- yeah, I think it might, because, you know, it's, it's typically, or it's, it's mostly adults who follow me on YouTube. And so, right. um, I, I think it, it'll show them, you know, Hey, maybe I should introduce this book. If, if their kid is having a hard time finding books to read, then, um, it might be the series for them. So you, had, you had mentioned to Jaden that, or maybe Jaden saw our oldest, who is nine, saw that Asa was on the show with you. And does he, does he want to be on the show with you as well on my shelf? Yes. I mean, of course, everybody, when I asked the six-year-old, everybody was like, I want to, I want to do it. So what is, so. what is, what books does Jaden want to talk about? Well, he's, he's going to talk with me about, um, I can't remember the book now, but, but the first thing or the, after he had told me he wanted to talk about this book, he said, and we can also talk about Pokemon. And I was like, well, I haven't read those books, so <laughs> yeah, I don't think we can talk about those on my show just yet. Hmm. Perhaps in the future. I, I got a sense from you that, that you weren't as enthusiastic about the Pokemon books as maybe something that's more, well, more you know, of a novel. Yeah. Kind of I mean, I, it, it goes back to like, the curation of my audience. You know, I, I read a lot of, I don't want to sound like a snob. <laughs> I, I read a lot of like award-winning literature, you know, and then I, I report back about what I liked about it and those kinds of things. And so, um, so Pokemon is a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit off brand for you're, you. You're making me sound like this terrible person. No, I'm just asking questions. Yeah. No, the, the uh thank you for playing along with me but <laughs> i was trying to be really delicate but sure pokemon you know okay so here's how i think about it there are a finite number of books that i can read in my lifetime mm-hmm. and pokemon is probably not going to be on my list anytime soon so in order for jaden to be able to talk about it does it have to be something that you've also read? yes uh-huh oh that's so kind that's, that's kind of the deal that's the criteria mm-hmm. okay I thought maybe it had something to do with not wanting to promote Pokemon as a form of reading. Oh no, not okay. at all. No. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly that I, I know that that's not the way that you think about it either. So I shouldn't have, I should have given you more credit for that. Yeah. Pokemon and uh, books or series like that are a fine source of reading material. And 
some parents, especially ones who really value reading a lot, might feel like, well, you know, having having a graphic novel or or something like Pokemon books or or some other series like that, that's not that's not really reading the way that we define it. But it can be the gateway. And it's still, you know, it's it's storytelling. Uh, even even though a lot of it is very heavily comic based, it's storytelling. It's and it's still reading, and and for many kids, that's their gateway into the reading world. And it's really important that we take care with how we think and talk about that, um, so that we don't inadvertently turn our children off to reading. Yeah. Nick in the chat says everyone should experience Pokemon games, books, and shows at some point <laughs> in their life. It's funny because um, back when I was a kid, my stepbrother was really, really interested in Pokemon. And it's just, it's funny that it's come back around all these years later. So that now I have a child who's really, really interested. <laughs> yeah. Jaden and I play Pokemon uh, cards every once in a while. And he destroys me. I'm really, I'm really bad at it. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look up and, and learn some techniques. I think he stacks the cards in his favor though. 